Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. going to be a pretty wild show and the reason for that is because i don't really know what's going to happen i've got a lot of material a lot of news to cover and one of the things i'm most excited about this week don't know why i did this but i started looking back at conspiracy theories i'm going to talk about this as hoaxes anyway in the next hour in the middle of next hour sometime i'm going to go over a list that i actually have created because you've been keeping a mental list but it's hard to keep track I have literally been keeping a real written list of hoaxes that the mainstream media have pushed as narratives that were all false. So the majority of Americans, these are things that a majority of Americans, if you ask them about now, if they remember them well enough, because some of them were pretty small, some are big, some are small. If they remember them, they would say the truth is blank when actually what was proven to be true was the opposite of that. And I want to go through over that list. But before we do, <clears throat> I mentioned conspiracies because I was thinking back to one of my favorite ones. And the reason it's my favorite is I think that I did the research myself. So nobody showed me a video online. I just did this and kind of halfway discovered it myself in a sense. And it has to do with the history of Antarctica and what has happened on the continent of Antarctica. And instead of just rehashing it. This is something I presented to the world last year. I'm going to, I think I'm just going to replay that segment because I can't do it better than I did the first time. Cause I was closer to the research at the time. So we'll do that actually next, but that's why I say this is going to be a fun show because all over the board, uh, still waiting on old Roy. It's his birthday. So I hope he can make it. I don't know though. I've not qu- confirmed whether he will or not. I'm going to try 
If he's not, I may pull in somebody else. So kind of a fluid show. But between now and then, again, a lot to go over. Did you see that the Supreme Court decided uh, 9-0 decision, by the way, well, there's, there's some nuance there too, in favor of the, the people suing the EPA that the EPA had overstepped its boundaries? This is great news, and I do want to dig into this a little bit more later in the show with Pacific Legal. I interviewed them. I'm going to play that interview because they were the ones who argued the case before the Supreme Court. I I love that I have a relationship with these guys because they seem to be rising rock stars in the political world. They're arguing a lot of cases before the Supreme Court. And guess what? They keep winning. I think they've won 15 out of their 17 cases, so they're smart about the way they do it. We'll talk to them in the next hour But between now and then, like I said, stick around next for the Antarctica stuff and a lot of other stuff involving where corporate America is right now, involving the woke stuff. We'll do that in this hour. It's all next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's the Wiggins America. The most interesting thing in the world, if you don't find by the end of the segment, if you don't find this interesting, it's on you. It's not my fault. This is super, super interesting stuff. But let me start with the the less interesting. So if you want to skip if you want to skip ahead on the podcast, go ahead three minutes. Researchers have discovered a never-before-seen ecosystem lurking in an underground river one-third of a mile beneath the Antarctic ice shelf. The team of scientists from New Zealand drilled through the ice shelf in Antarctica and dropped a camera into the cavern below. Hundreds of amphipods, small shrimp-like crustaceans, swarmed the camera as it descended into the river. 
And this subterranean habitat was found beneath the outer edges of the Ross Ice Shelf, the world's largest body of floating ice on the southern edge of Antarctica. Well, how do you determine the southern edge? Isn't it all south from the pole? You know, it would all be north from the pole. Anyway, I don't know. Uh... This is a research project focused on documenting and piecing together how climate is melting the ice shelf and affecting associated ecosystems, a statement claims. Previous satellite images showed a groove in the ice shelf close to where it met with the land, and the team suspected it was an under-ice estuary. Researchers speculated, and they sent the camera down there and found out that there's a lot more going on down there than they thought. So I say all that. Simply to set up what I found to be the more interesting part of this. And you heard there, they were talking about, well, climate change, and this is the ice shelf, and, uh, you, you know, it's settled science, right? Climate change is settled science. So I started looking into uh, something that I found completely separately from that. Now, what you're going to, the way I'm presenting this is as if I had read that article. And then I looked into it deeper and I found this other thing. It was actually reverse. I found this other thing. And then I looked up news on Antarctica and that was very, very recent. And I found that interesting. So I I was reading through it and I I heard what you just heard, what I just said back. And so now I'm going back into the reason I even looked up that article. So get this. There's a guy in the he was born in the mid 1400s he lived until he actually lived pretty long time for that era especially he lived until the early to mid 1500s and i think he was about 70 something years old when he died okay the guy's name is Piri Reese and that's not the perfect name for him because that actually is a is a turkish term for admiral admiral reese i think or Opposite, maybe Reese is the term for Admiral, and Piri was his name. I don't know which, but they call him Piri Reese, and that's the common name for this guy who's somewhat well-known within um, history observers, especially map lovers. So he was an admiral for his early life, but as he got older, he basically became just a cartographer, and he would travel around by sea. And he had this volume that still exists today of uh, of water knowledge, basically. You know, people who traveled the oceans at that time, they were seeking the better the map, the better the travel. And so he had a pretty good volume of maps and made that his life's work. Well, it's interesting because they not, don't really know how much of it he pulled from other people's maps, because he was very open. It wasn't like as if he was trying to claim it was all his work. But he would pull from other people's knowledge, which is great. And one person he says he pulled from was Columbus, who was traveling at about that same time. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how this connects to Antarctica. And I think you'll find it fascinating, okay? Bear with me here. So history tells us that the explorer James Cook discovered Antarctica in 1773. That's when we commonly say, well, nobody knew Antarctica existed, but obviously somebody could have discovered it before that. It's just that they didn't really have much proof. Well, a map was found in a library in Istanbul in 1929 that is not talked about very much. And this map was drawn by Piri Reis, a Turkish admiral. So that's why I gave you the background on him. It appears to show the topography of Antarctica. Now, I looked this up 
to find out, is this just a conspiracy theory? Is this something that somebody is projecting onto it to say, oh, look, we've changed history. You know, a lot of people do that. And it's more interesting if it is, if it's something that just confirms what we already knew. Nobody pays attention to it. That's why you hear a new study on eggs every two years. Eggs are bad for you. Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you because you always want to you always want to come out with something that's new in your research. If you just confirm what already exists, you're not going to get any attention. I hate that that's true, but that is true. That is the way a lot of this stuff happens. So, anyway, this does appear to show the topography of Antarctica on this Piri Reese map. Again, this came from probably around 1515. Right in there. They don't know exactly when the map was made, but it was right around there, which would have been after a lot of Columbus's maps were made in the early 15, even earlier 1500s. And so they were contemporaries. Columbus's maps, though, don't show Antarctica. Piri Reese's does, at least this one map does. And this would have been 200 years before James Cook supposedly discovered Antarctica. So what's even stranger. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, I, hold, on, hold on, hold on. So let me just say this. I looked into the rebuttals of this because a lot of times you'll find it's interesting, like I said, new information, new information. Well, you, you look into it and you go, actually, this is somebody trying to get attention. So the rebuttal to this is that the map that he has here, because it's like a map fragment, they say, actually, what this looks like is that he misdrew South America. I'm like, okay, well, that's possible. People love the sensational stuff, but it's possible that he just misdrew part of South America. But get this, when you dig deeper, the land that Reese seems to have depicted for Antarctica is what it looked like when there was no ice on it. And they say this would have to date back to about 4,000 BC. That's when modern science says that we would have been able to see the original Antarctica without ice on it. So the map is drawn on camel skin parchment. And here's the thing. It has been certified as genuine. And Reese was renowned for his accuracy otherwise. So he, it would be uncommon for him, according to his other maps, to have just accidentally misdrawn something, especially in the part of the world that it's in, because it's not drawn. It's not. It's not drawn where South America is. It's drawn below South America. So his map shows specific details of South America's coastline and geography that were thought to be unknown to the Turks. <clears throat> and skeptics point out that the crudely drawn land of the South isn't necessarily Antarctica. Like I said before, I'm sort of rereading this. But here's the, here's the big kicker. The U.S. Hydrographic Office has confirmed that the map accurately depicts part of the continent, saying, quote, this indicates the coastline had been mapped before it was covered by the ice cap. And here the quote continues, we have no idea how the data on this map can be reconciled with the supposed state of geographical knowledge in 1513, roughly 1515, like I said. So, end quote. <laughs> Is that not wild? Summary, summary of all everything I just told you here. This guy in 15, roughly 15, 1515, 1513, 
Piri Reis is a Turkish admiral and cartographer. He draws what Antarctica looks like with no ice on it, at least the coast. We assume, according to modern science, that that Antarctica has had ice caps over it for at least 6,000 years. They they go back to about 4,000 B.C. is when they say it would have been uncovered. Yet, somehow, this Piri Reis has a map drawn accurately, accurately, of Antarctica's coastline with no ice on it, which predates James Cook's discovery in the late 1700s, and, again, nobody can figure out how this guy accurately drew the coastline, which we can only see now because of high, sophisticated, you know, technology that we have that that lets us see through the ice and figure out where the actual coastline is because we can't see it. So all I'm saying is look into this for yourself because I think there's a lot of interest there. I'm I'm projecting interest because I don't think there's a whole lot of people studying this. It's just one of those unsolved mysteries. It's it's been around since 1929. More modern scientists at the U.S. whatever, geological whatever, have confirmed it. But nobody knows what to do with it. Settled science though, right? Science is settled. I the the phrase science is settled has to be one of the dumb After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Phrases that we've been using in the last 10 years. Good stuff there from Pacific Legal. If you want to get the Odyssey app, you can rewind, listen to that, or you can download the podcast, although we're kind of right in the middle of the show right now. So I want to wait until the show's over to download the podcast. I want to talk about how Anheuser-Busch, let me back that up a little bit. Not even Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light and the boycott is changing the dynamics and how big it actually is. Because you might think that this is just a boycott of one brand that is successful. It has been tremendously successful, although not organized, just grassroots people doing it. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, I you'd have to be under a rock. But people are, are boycotting Bud Light because of the Dylan Mulvaney <clears throat> on the cans. And then I think even beyond just the Dylan Mulvaney thing, that was kind of the the spark that lit the firework. But then the marketing director for Bud Light came out and talked about how the brand is old and fratty and they want to move away from that and just exacerbated everything. So anyway, uh, in light of that, everybody pretty much knows what's going on with that. There's been a Target boycott. 
Now, the Target boycott has also begun shown signs that it has begun to be successful, too. And this is also grassroots. There's no organization doing this, which is actually pretty amazing. That's kind of the way that you would hope a boycott would work, isn't it? Not some like random person saying, this is what we shall do. And then everybody's saying, we will do thus. But it's happening. But here's how big this is. It's not just the domino effect, either. I bet you thought that's where I was going with this, that... You have one, and then other brands start to see it, and they go, oh, no. Well, that's true. But listen to how big of a problem this has gotten. This is from Daily Mail. There's a guy who works for an asset management company called Strive Asset Management. He's also a former Anheuser-Busch executive. His name name is Anson Frerichs. He says in the Daily Mail that every day, it seems, another iconic American brand is marched head-on into the furious buzzsaw of public public controversy. Last month, Bud Light sponsorship, transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney goes into that, now targets the subject of boycotts. He says, though, that the answer is simple for these things, follow the money. He says, an executive of Anheuser-Busch for more than a decade, I witnessed how the calculus of running a major corporation has been hijacked. Listen closely to this. He said, it's why I left. No longer is the pursuit of the dollar making a profit within the bounds of morality and the law the sole purpose of so many of America's top companies. And this has happened very subtly, right under our noses. I added that part. He says, today, the country's greatest enterprises have been repurposed into vehicles of social change. Allow me to explain. He goes on. And there's a bunch of pictures of Dylan Mulvaney in the middle. Daily Mail does that. They just put lots of pictures up, make you read it. He says, Target and Bud Light are publicly traded companies, which means that ultimately it's their investors, a.k.a. Wall Street, that's calling the shots. Enter BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, the three largest and most influential financial institutions in U.S. history. They're known as the big three on Wall Street, though many Americans have never heard of them. I have actually never heard of State Street. I've heard of BlackRock and Vanguard, but not State Street. But those are the big three. He says, together, the big three constitute the largest shareholders of nearly 90% of the largest companies listed on the U.S. Stock Exchange, the S&P 500. The big three's influence is staggering. But if they were managing this money simply to make more money, there might not be an issue. They're not. He says, the big three are proponents of what's called stakeholder capitalism, which is a just a little bit of a change of word, just like if you change the word equality to equity, right? Instead of being a shareholder capitalism campaign, it's a stakeholder capitalism, which is a belief that businesses should be run not only to increase value to shareholders, which is the traditional model, but to serve all stakeholders, including government agencies, activists, and non-governmental organizations. You can see how this might become a problem. You have many masters now. Stakeholder capitalism is distinct from traditional shareholder capitalism, which contends that companies have one responsibility to generate profits for the individuals who own shares in the company. The stakeholder movement has been around in a very minor form since the 1970s and has philosophical roots in that, well, let me, let me just stick to what he's saying because I don't want to get off, off script here. 2019 was a turning point for stakeholder capitalism. He says, in 2019, 188 American CEOs signed on to the fundamental commitment to all of their stakeholders, not just shareholders, to promote the larger social good. 
188 American CEOs signed on to this. Among them were the CEOs of the big three and other large financial institutions like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and many of the companies they own, including Target, Disney, and Coca-Cola. Bud Light, it should be noted, is actually exempt from that because they're now owned by a European company. But nonetheless, these things are still happening. The big three began to issue guidelines on how they expected their portfolio companies to honor this commitment, stakeholder, this social agenda, by implementing so-called environmental, social, and governance, or ESG targets and scores. Have you heard about this? This is kind of like percolating out there, but this, I think this brings it together very well. To encourage compliance, the big three uses their power as shareholders to influence who sits on corporate boards. In 2021, they voted to replace ExxonMobil board members with climate experts who immediately sought to reduce the oil giant's exploration and drilling output to meet contested climate goals. They subsequently voted for racial equity audits at companies like Apple and Home Depot, compelling these companies to impose race-based hiring criteria, which they had not done before, and implement diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI programs, which they had not been doing. Beyond shareholder voting, the big three employ large engagement teams to pressure CEOs for progress on ESG and DEI goals and scores, BlackRock has over 70 employees dedicated to stewardship efforts in 20, doing this stuff. In 2022 alone, they had 3,880 engagements with 200 or 2,580 companies pushing. These are all ways that they're pushing the woke boards onto companies. Now, if you don't believe this is happening, go look it up yourself. Look up ESG. If a CEO doesn't weigh in on the latest social issue, this article continues, quickly enough, his or her bonus could be in jeopardy. Many ordinary customers have no idea that their money may be used as leverage by major, major financial institutions to influence popular American brands. But as the results are borne out in diverse product launches and marketing campaigns, the impact is becoming clear. Stakeholder capitalism, woke capitalism, Social agenda capitalism, I'm adding all these things, is hurting businesses. It's also bad for society. The article concludes, America traditionally settles contested political issues through an accountable electoral process. This process, though, stakeholder capitalism, subverts this system. Questions over environmental issues, parental rights, gender equality, and the like should be settled at the ballot box, not in the boardroom. And many Americans seem to agree because, as he concludes, this is one of the biggest things that has happened in American capitalism in years, this Bud Light thing. Back to my original point. Do you realize how big this is? Now all these woke boards are having to realize, oh, wait a minute, maybe we can't push as hard as we were going to. It doesn't mean they're going to stop. I mean, you're still seeing stuff out there like crazy. But they all are having to take pause because they don't want to be the next Bud Light. They don't want to be the next Target at this point because it is happening to Target. So all of this social agenda, and that's the problem, isn't it? Is that it is a social agenda that is being forced upon you, forced upon your kids, forced upon your money, the way that you shop, the way that you operate. It is out there saying, this is normal, this is normal. It is normalizing things that we traditionally in America have said that's deviant. 
Obviously, I'm talking about a sexual agenda. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about right now in America that there are many things that are not protected, but if you have any sort of sexual issue, you are in a protected class. I mean, you could just claim anything sexual and say, well, that's that's my identity, and therefore I am protected. Um, they're pushing that as the norm. Corporations are, and they're doing it in conjunction, like this article talked about, with government agencies, and the big three are pushing these things. But we're pushing back. You're pushing back. And you don't have to boycott everything. I think that's kind of the point of this, is that these individual targets, <laughs> not to say target, <laughs> but individual targets like Bud Light or Target, um, they make such big waves beyond the boycott themselves because they send a message to so many other brands and companies that hey you could push left with something and it may not hurt you at all but it could and in the past that that wasn't even there you couldn't say it could because nothing was happening now it is happening maybe you're next they're all considering that now all right let's take a short break we'll be right back old roy is going to be in studio all right, Jake is here from Y98. Now, Jake, I wanted to pull you in because we had a little old Roy trouble this this weekend, which you probably don't even know what that means. Uh, no, I totally get it, man. It's, <laughs> that is a normal thing for the everyday American. Yeah. I get that. Uh, we all have a little old Roy trouble every now and then. That's what my mom always used to tell me, man. And this is mine, uh, <laughs> which you are helping me get through in a, in a very, very friendly fashion. Always happy to help. Um, but since you're here, I have, I have always tons and tons of material for the show. I have some pop culture news, and you are like a pop culture guru. I, I I like to say that. It's very kind of you to say. I don't know if I'm quite at guru level, but I am uh, working on my pop culture masters, if you will. Compared to us. <laughs> you definitely. In fact, I would actually put you in that category, because you really are. I mean, I, I'm. but that, that's why I, I set this up, because I have an article here that I want to know if you know about yet. Okay. So this comes from the New York Post, which if it came from other sites, I'd be like, oh, Jake knows about it. But since it's New York Post, I'm like, well, maybe he You'd doesn't. be surprised how much pop culture nonsense ends up on the New York Post. Okay. And a lot of it is like leaks and rumors, you too. Know what? So You're I'm excited right. to see what you got. Actually, Fox News is the same. I Half the time I click on Fox News, and there's articles about Johnny Depp and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, there's stuff all the time that's pop culture on most of these sites, Well, actually. even just bringing that up and finding those kind of pop culture things in all different places, like, it, it's, it's part of the culture. It's right in the name. Like, you know, even if you're not a fan of, like, whatever's huge in pop culture right now, it is affecting everything. It's affecting society yeah. because it's all, it's part of art. It's part of the culture. I'm really glad you bring that up ahead of me sharing this article that has almost no bearing on anything. But <laughs> those are my favorite stories. No, but, but really what you're saying is true. And I've, I've struggled on this show at times with figuring out a balance between the two, because I do like pop culture just in terms of fun sure. and movies and stuff, just like everybody else. But obviously the point of this show and really 97.1 is we talk about news, we talk about politics, right? but there is so much of an intersection between politics and culture or pop culture. And they do affect each other. They do. And actually, I was uh, I was doing, I whenever I'm on the air with Y98, I do a TikTok live for a couple of hours, talk to some listeners, talk to some people that might be out of the market. And I was talking about this very same thing where, um, let's use the more recent example of Little Mermaid as an example. Um, there was some political uproar with whatever Disney decided to change. And I'm not really into that kind of vein. I don't like to get... You know, worked up about those You're sort aware of things, of it, but but, but I'm aware of what other yeah. people are saying, and I think the thing that that people are missing here is like it's not necessarily 
companies and studios trying to be quote-unquote woke or like, you know, kind of send whatever message they want to send. It's a reflection of where we are as a culture. And I feel like, you know, despite what you might hear on, you know, some more right-wing or more intense or even left-wing and more intense things that are politicizing all of these things, it's a reflection of our culture. It's where we are now. Like, whether or not you agree with any kind of you know, change that anybody makes for whatever reason, whatever your thought process is, it's a reflection of our culture and where we are. And it should be analyzed with a more positive and accepting view because that's just where we are. Oh, it's very true. You know what I mean? It's it's a barometer. I try, I try, I try to stay positive with everything, kind of like a TLDR, but let's let you work. You've built this up. We're we're getting sidetracked with intelligent conversation. (laughs) I, I say on the show often, and it's kind of what you're saying, that politics is downstream from culture Mm -hmm. and i take it a step further because a lot of people say that but i take it a step further and say that culture is downstream from spirituality or morality and so even talking about culture in a in a dumb segment like this was supposed to be but hey we're (laughs) doing great right now what happened i know (laughs) um but when when you talk about stupid things like this they really do um, they affect politics ahead of politics, you mm-hmm. know. And so when you talk about politics, you're almost talking about what's already happened. It's already a, a conclusion. Yeah, it's it's that we've it's, it's just a cycle. The respond the response to art, and then the art itself. It's it's constantly feeding itself. And yeah. I think it's important that when you're looking at any of these things, whether you like things or don't like things, or even things that aren't necessarily, you know, necessarily political. Maybe you don't like that Han Solo was played by a different actor other than Harrison Ford. Like, all those little things, you you should approach the art with the open-mindedness and the positivity because, like I said before, it's a reflection of where we are as a culture and the way that you approach it, the way you analyze it. You can learn a lot about what's going on and you can, um, I mean, I mean, just not sure how to like kind of like wrap that up, but like just the main thing being like seeing anything in culture, in the pop culture, whether they be rumor or it's like a big thing that every political news thing is talking about, you should analyze it with a level of positivity because it's a reflection of where we are and like we're existing. It's insane that all of us exist at the same time and we experience it together. Look, do it positively. You know what I mean? I love it. And and if we were on shrooms, that last sentence, I would have been like, oh, dude. Bro, if we were on shrooms, Seriously. I wouldn't be talking about this, man. Seriously. I'd be telling you about my Pokemon fan fiction Let's if we were go. on shrooms. So, so we're in the deep end of the pool. We're going to kind of swim into the more shallow end here. And then, hey, if it goes back into the deep, that's fine. But <laughs> we, maybe we just stay in the shallow end. Here's the one that I was going to try to stump you on to see if you know. Okay. If you know it, great. If you don't, I feel pretty good about it. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Dunder Mifflin. With a twist. It always has to have a great start. Sure. So a version of The Office has been greenlit. A new version of The Office has been greenlit. Have you heard about this? I haven't. Yes! Surprisingly. Yes! Now now that I have... So this will be the third iteration of The Office. Well, that's what it's saying. It's not American. It's Australian. Okay. Oh, okay. So I, when I the headline caught me because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to reboot the Office. That's how they the reel Office. you in, man. That's how they get you. Yeah, and they're not rebooting the Office. They're just doing a new version. So it came from England or came from the UK, and then we did our version. Now this is the Australian version. But this time, the difference being that instead of Michael Scott, you have a female boss named Hannah Howard. Okay. Played by Felicity Ward. Don't I, the name sounds familiar? I don't name know does sound familiar. I'm gonna do some googling. So the American version of the show aired from 2005 to 2013 was a mockumentary. The original British version aired from 2000. Can you believe this? 
2001 to 2003. That's crazy to me. That's that's all that was. I don't even like. I didn't even know that offhand. If you had me guess, I would not have gone back that early. Well, it's not even that early. It was only on for three years, two years. Yeah, it didn't. It it wasn't as well received the the original, which is crazy. It wasn't, but it made Ricky Gervais a very wealthy man. He's huge because he created this series, which is now duplicated for years. And and you know, every time he sees an article about the office, he thinks to himself, "Yeah." I did that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you I watch his stand-up, he talks about, he's like, look, I'm unbelievably wealthy. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> I love Ricky Gervais. He's super funny. He's super funny. And steps on every toe you can think of, which is great. I love that. Um, I did want to, though, before we hit the end of the hour here, ask you, because I was talking to Brad, who I'm on the Annie Fry show with during the week, about when he went to see the most recent version of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume mm-hmm. 3. Now, we, as a show, all went to Disney World, so we rode the Guardians of the Galaxy yep. stuff. So, obviously, we're talking about it. He said he didn't really love it, and I we kind of get into a, like a more deep discussion about the Marvel Universe, which I'm I'm barely in. Like, I don't know if we have time for that. I, well, this is why I brought you, <laughs> and as initially, because I know that like you go way into the MCU, but... It, has it lost any of its luster since Thanos? So I, w- I will say this, because um, that's not an uncommon question. I haven't seen Guardians 3 yet, okay. which I think is a testament to where the MCU might be now. A lot of people are using the term burnout, which I think has more of a negative connotation. I don't like thinking about it like that. But I always equate where Marvel Studios is to the comics. Let's look at the comics. The comics have been around for millennia at this point right there's been a gaj- there's been okay. there's been a gajillion yeah. different iterations of every character that we've always loved and if there was any kind of contention about it's like oh god more marvel comics it's like nobody's really saying that i feel like the movies especially especially in this day and age now of streaming and social media video is everywhere Marvel Studios is going down that comic book route. They're just going to keep this train going. Oh, right, because they're making a ton of money. Yeah, well, not only are they making a ton of money, but they're they're creating this universe. I feel like there's a level of passion uh, at Marvel Studios that not a lot of people want to talk about because it's easy to say because it's Disney that it's all about the money. And, of course, it's about the money. But when you look at producers like Kevin Feige and some of the writers and some of the directors that have been working on these projects, there there's a level of passion that is there for this wider universe, just like there was for the comic book version of all that and all the different Marvel TV shows that have come before it. So I don't like to say burnout. However, I do understand we're past the peak of what Marvel yeah. was building up to because from Iron Man to Endgame, that was the story that general audiences were familiar with. Like a lot of Marvel, yeah. a lot of Marvel stuff uh, in the comic realm started doing well. Once the movie started doing well, they started to influence each other. And now that we're at that point where the general audience has followed this one Marvel storyline, it came to a nice conclusion. But they're keeping going. I get why people are wary about that. And you could That's- say that the quality of some of the things has gone down. I like to continue to bring up COVID because post-Endgame, a lot of that stuff was interrupted by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're trying different things now, too. Like, they had that one overarching thing with Thanos, and while all the movies and stuff may have had slightly different vibes, it all kind of seemed like it was its own thing. Like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall has a similar vibe. But now they're doing things, and they're trying all sorts of different genres, and they're trying different forms of... Um, 
I guess just genres. Like they had like the Werewolf by Night, which was like an old school monster movie type of vibe. They had She Hulk, which a lot of people didn't like, but She Hulk was made specifically for the trolls on the internet who were review bombing the new Marvel stuff. Like that. She Hulk was a different kind of show. It was. And it, it got super meta. And that's because Marvel has been around so long at this point that they have to try new things. So if people don't like the new things, that makes sense to me. But. They have to try. So we, we got to wrap, but I yes. got to ask Sorry you, about since, that. You no, got since, me into Marvel. You're, you're right. <laughs> I should have known. I should have expected the level of this nuance is on you. from which you gave. <laughs> but I got to ask, since you, we were talking about it, it was building towards something. Now, a novice like me just knows, oh, well, they're, they're not really building toward anything anymore. But are they? Is there now, in 30 seconds, is there now a new bad guy that they're trying to build toward? The new bad guy that uh, that they were introducing was Kang the Conqueror, who in the comics is a massive deal, especially when connecting to the Fantastic Four, which is coming back a little bit later. Kang is the big boss, and they were taking it from one universe before Thanos. Now they're going into the multiverse stuff which is all sorts of problematic, but they're doing something. They're building more from it. So Kang is supposed to be the main thing, but Jonathan Majors been in trouble with the law lately. He plays Kang. Disney hasn't done anything about it. So I don't know. We'll see. There's, they're definitely building to something. It's just not clear. Just so the, like yeah. just like it was when Iron Man 1 and Captain America yeah. and Thor, those early things from the Thanos era that didn't seem as connected. Like, they put Easter eggs, and they made so they're, it connected, they're but, like, nobody knew what the goal was. From a lack of focus right now, which they will have soon. So you're expecting I don't know if it's even a lack of focus. Like, it's tough talking about Marvel because there's so many different, like, ways that you can view it. Right. But I like to view it with a certain level of optimism, and I think that there's a plan. I think it was slowed down because of COVID and everything like that, but they're trying different things, and I am excited to see where it goes. Well, we need to just basically do an hour because we're out of time. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for that. Sorry. No, I appreciate That's why I brought you in because I wanted to know the details. I do music radio. It's cool being able to talk for a long time. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> a little less boundaries here. <laughs> All right. We do have to wrap, though. We do have boundaries. We do have to pay some bills. We're coming up on the top of the hour. We do have another hour coming up next on Wiggins America. Stick around. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.